Let the people of God say amen. Come on, say amen again. We're so grateful and thankful to the Lord. We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. We are so grateful and so thankful for God's goodness and God's mercy as it has been shown to us. Let me, before I say anything else, say thank you to everyone for your kindness, for your gifts, for your love over this past year and celebration of my 29th uh, year here at the Good Hope Church. Uh, thankful for what God is doing. God is doing some amazing things in the life of our church. And uh, yesterday, I literally just broke down in tears when I started thinking about the amazing things that God is doing in the life of our church, in the body of Christ through our church and the opportunities that God is giving us to touch and change lives around the world. And so I just want to say thank you to everybody. Looking forward to number 30. Everybody say 30. Looking forward to number 30. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. And I'm excited about what's coming in the future if the Lord says the same. This past week, we said goodbye to one of our longtime members, church officer and staff member, Brother Claude Cole. Brother Claude Cole passed away and went home to be with the Lord. Uh, we used to uh, jokingly tease him as these, his students did for over 40 years. They used to call him Cool Mr. Cole or Clean Mr. Cole because uh, Brother Claude Cole uh, never showed up in public with anything out of place. Not even a hair was out of place. And he was part of the pulpit committee when I was uh, invited to become the pastor here at Good Hope and was always such a supporter. He and his wife, Nell, were like peanut butter and jelly. And uh, we certainly will miss Brother Claude Cole. I want you to keep in prayer Sister Melody Jordan, Sister Melody Jordan. She is the wife of usher and deacon in training. Ron Jordan had a massive stroke this past week and is in the hospital in ICU. And uh, we're just praying and asking God to do beyond what we can ask or think. Amen. Uh, we know that regardless of what doctors say, ultimately God has the final say. And there's somebody in here right now. I don't have to look far to see a walking miracle right now. Amen. Amen. Come, somebody raise your hand if you know you're a miracle right now. Yeah. And so, man, we're, we're just praying that God moves. As a matter of fact, let's pray right now for her. All right. Let's touch and agree right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift before you, Sister Melody Jordan. We pray, God, for your healing power and virtue to move on her behalf right now in the name of Jesus. God, we do not take a presumptive role or place to be able to dictate specifically what needs to be done. But God, you know what needs to be done because she has been fearfully, wonderfully created in your image. We pray now, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would touch as only you can touch, that you would move as only you can move in accordance with your will for Sister Melody and 
Brother Ron and their family. We pray, God, that you would do beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine to show someone again that you are God and you are above all others. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, we want to send out a special congratulations. You know, I love whenever we can celebrate uh, members who God is doing some amazing things through, especially our young people. And we want to send a shout out to Brother Elijah Franklin. He is the son of Cedric and Rakesha Franklin. And um, Brother Franklin qualified in the 110 and 400 meter hurdles for the Junior Olympics. Yeah. He and his siblings, I, I always refer to them as the firm of Franklin, Franklin, and Franklin. I don't know what God's going to do with them, man, but they are amazing kids and have amazing parents, and we're certainly going to continue to pray for them. Um, I want to thank God. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, we had a tremendous celebration on, on last week. And, you know, somebody said to me, they said, Pastor said, we can't do Rooted and Grounded on your anniversary because it's almost like one is overshadowing the other. And I said, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's my ministry, man. That's my, that's my life. That's my love to see God touch people's lives in a special way. Um, we got a special treat coming at 10 o'clock. One of our Rooted and Grounded Life Group members who was part of our seven state outreach, one who was part of our discipleship groups in Hawaii, came to church, is coming to church this morning to worship with us. And so, uh, you know, to see what God is doing is just absolutely mind-blowing and amazing. Now, this week, I want you to pray about the people who are going to be in your rooted group. Some of you, I want you to pray about whether or not you are going to facilitate a group. And if you have any doubts as to whether or not you're ready, ask somebody else. Don't necessarily take your opinion because some of you are not going to think you're ready, but you really are ready for God to move in your life and kind of use you at the next level. But I want you praying about who you're going to invite to be a part of this discipleship process and let's start with friends. Let's start with friends. Uh, now, you know, I, this word friend is used very loosely, especially since Facebook. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you got a whole lot of friends on Facebook. Some of us have friends that really are friends, you know. I, I, I'm guilty of that, you know, because when I got on Facebook, people were like, oh, you got to build your friend list. So anybody that requested a friend request, I just said, okay, you know, friend, right? So now I got folk walking up to me, complete strangers, strangers talking about, we friends on Facebook. I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> we friends on Facebook, right? But if those are your friends, I'm saying to you, pray and ask God to open up the door and give you favor to share with your friends what it means to be rooted and grounded in the word of God what it means to live out the faith that God has blessed you with. And so we're going to start with friends. Everybody say friends. We're going to start with friends. We're going to pray that God would give us insight 
into our friends. I got to tell you, this is coming up the third Sunday in July, third Sunday in this month. We're going to do a big celebration, big celebration, celebrating our church. We're going to celebrate our church. Here's what we did. We had a tremendous celebration of our 150th anniversary, and we decided to do it an entire year. And what I realized was we were so excited about what God was doing, and rightfully so, and rooted and grounded, we didn't close out our 150th year anniversary the way we needed to. So we're going to have a tremendous celebration, and we're going to have a special concert. Now, I'm telling y'all this. Y'all can't tell anybody. Okay? It's between me and you. We're going to have the Thompson Community Singers from Chicago, Illinois, coming in, and they're going to do a little concert for us on the third Sunday. We're going to have some good church, all right? So we're looking forward. That's going to be in the afternoon. We're going to do old school afternoon service. I know some of y'all too young. You don't remember old school afternoon services. But you are going to be blessed. We're going to have a great time. I'm asking our own praise team. We're going to invite several other uh, church choirs, and we're going to celebrate church. We're going to celebrate church on the third Sunday in July, and we're going to celebrate those who did a tremendous job. Um, when we have our offering today, I'm, I'm mentioning it now because it's on my mind. I want us, we're going to have a special offering. I want us to bless Reverend Dennis Campbell and his wife Bree today. I want us to bless the Campbells. Um, their daughter Faith has been in the hospital literally since the day she was born. And they have been trading off shifts for months. And the Lord just put it on my heart to be a blessing to them. Uh, anybody who's had to go to the hospital a lot, you know, just the parking alone will beat you up, right? I, I, we're talking about the largest medical center in the world. We, we got to be one of the largest uh, profit-making entities in the world just with the parking lots. You know what I mean? Uh, I went to see a member who was uh, on a deathbed. Man, the family called me, asked me to get up there. And so I run up there real quick because I'm going to pray with the family and I'm there with the family. And I'm there maybe an hour or so. And I leave and I come down. They say $17. I said, good God. And I just went upstairs, came down, but $17, right? And so um, this is a young family and I want us to be a blessing to them. Would y'all help me do that today? I want us to be a blessing. So however the Lord leads you, I think on our online giving, um, there should be a category already reserved for them. So I'm going to ask you to give a special gift, if you would, to the Campbells, because I want to bless them in a special way. All right. Where are all my July birthdays? Stand on your feet wherever you are. July birthdays. Come on, make some noise for the July birthdays. Ooh, yes. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy. You know you look fine. We hope you have. Hey, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to 
Happy birthday to you. Amen. Praise God. Boy, listen, it's the second, so that means you just take a whole month. Just take the whole month and, and enjoy the day that God brought you into this world. Let's go to God in prayer as we get ready for the word of God. For those of you who are watching, streaming with us today, you might be wondering why I'm sitting in this chair. I had knee replacement surgery, and uh, so I'm in recovery mode. And, you know, some people said don't preach. Some people said do preach. You know, those of you who've been part of the church, when I broke my leg, I just put it up on the bench and preached. And, you know, it just is what it is. But um, I wanted to uh, encourage all of us today to continue to ask God to use us and to recognize that we don't have to be at our best to be faithful to what God has called us to do all we got to do is give our best amen amen let's pray father we thank you and we bless you for today we pray now that everything that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight it's in jesus name we pray amen so it was 2020 and we had heard rumblings of an illness wasn't talked about necessarily as a pandemic. As a matter of fact, if you remember back in January, February, it was being talked about almost as a bad case of the flu going around, uh, at least to those of us who are non-medical professionals, right? Uh, the common folk, we were, we were told, you know, you, you have some symptoms and, and, and just do what you would do to treat the flu and you'll be fine. Uh, we had a president at the time, President 45, who did everything he could to downplay the seriousness of this disease. So much so uh, that you had people calling it a hoax, saying that it was a, a fake disease. It wasn't even real. Uh, then we started seeing people dying as a result of exposure. Uh, we saw one, five, ten. We saw numbers of people who were literally passing away. Then they tried to tell us, well, it's just those who are elderly who were dying of it. Then we got news of hundreds of younger people who were dying. And then we had families, entire generations of families that were wiped out. Uh, and when, when we were told in March of 2020 that we would have to uh, really prayerfully consider just not meeting in large groups, period. Um, there were people in our country who were more concerned about their personal rights than they were about national safety. I'm talking about in the United States now. In other countries around the world who did not suffer as long as we did, when they said shut down, everybody shut down. But in the United States, we wanted to fight for our individual liberty. We didn't want to wear a mask. We didn't want to be told that we couldn't meet. And so even more people died. And you remember when we got to March of 2020, there were those who were saying, again, those who were not, not part of the professional, medical professional community, who were saying, well, we'll be back by Easter. Easter came and went. 
And then under the pressure of many women who had not been to nail shops and salons for a long time, restrictions were temporarily lifted leading up to Mother's Day. Come on, some of y'all remember. And they said, okay, if you wear a mask, you can go and get ready because Mother's Day, we plan on reopening, but it didn't happen during Mother's Day. I remember meeting with a group of preachers in our association. And I said to them, we will not be back before 2021, if not 2022. And they said, oh, all right, Doc, we hear you. But they later admitted that they thought I was crazy, right? Because they, they didn't see it because they just knew Labor Day we would be back up open and in full swing. It was around July of 2020 when a friend of mine called, a pastor in San Antonio, and he called. He said, hey, man, DZ, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm just sitting in the man cave, just, you know, chilling, doing some reading. What's going on? He said, man, I wanted you to talk to a friend of mine. He's just written a book that he's about to publish on the importance of coming back to church and why we need to come back to church. He said, I want you to talk to him. And I said, well, okay, just, you know, give me his number. You know, I'll give him a call or give him my number. He said, oh, I'm going to put him on right now. So I should have known that that was a setup right there, right? So he gets on the phone and we start talking. And this brother is adamant about why people need to come back to church and why the church needs to be reopened. And he is, I mean, he's on his soapbox and I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening. And he starts using scriptures, primarily Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, about forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. And he starts talking about, hey, you know, folk are doing everything else. Why can't they come back to church? They, they go to the supermarket. Why can't they go to church? They go to the mall. Why can't they go to church? Some of them are going to work. Why can't they go to church? And I said, well, Reverend, I said, listen, I don't mean any harm or disrespect, but let me just say this to you. I don't interact with people at the store the way I do at church. Right? I don't hug people at the store. I don't kiss people at the store. You know, I don't go to the mall and hug people. And I, don't, I don't interact with folk like that. I, I interact with people at the church a little differently than I do. No, a lot differently than I do at those other locations. I said, but, but Reverend, you have a problem with your argument because it's not supported theologically. I said, you, you, you want to beat up people for coming back to church. I said, but here's the problem. When you use Hebrews 10 about forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, at that moment, the church didn't have any buildings. Nobody had buildings other than the Jews and the idol worshipers. There was no Christian church. Matter of fact, you got to remember that for the first, what, eight, nine hundred years, the church was under persecution. It wasn't even fashionable to be a Christian. And we still see that in the world today. The places where the church of Jesus Christ is flourishing are not the places where the government has deemed that the church is blessed and can exist. The church is flourishing. The fastest growing churches, the fastest growing population of Christians in the world are those places 
where the church is publicly persecuted and they have to meet underground. The truth is we're typically at our best when we're persecuted the most. It's when we cannot focus on the blessings of men that we focus and trust in the power of God. So today for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, what makes the church so important? What makes the church so important? Now, let me tell you something that's amazing about the word of God. Um, I have preached passages of scripture over my 40 plus years of preaching and have literally preached the same passage from different perspectives depending on the purpose of the sermon so much so that I could preach three four sermons from the same passage and never repeat anything from any of them except for the reading of the scripture and so I wanted to do this because I wanted you to understand how significant this cultural change that we are experiencing in our church is I was watching on yesterday, uh, my wife and I, you know, she teases me because I'm not a real big uh, Madea fan. I mean, I, I, I love it in person, right? I laugh with everybody else. But the movies are kind of predictable, you know. Uh, for that matter, so are the plays, but it's still funny. Um, but yesterday, I, I, I just happened to be home and I was watching, uh, which one was I watching, dear? I, yeah, I can do bad all by myself. I can do bad all by myself, right? And so I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm watching the church scene. Uh, pastor Marvin Winings, Bishop Marvin Winings, who is a pastor in real life, plays the pastor, and Gladys Knight plays one of the leading ladies, mothers of the church. And, and I'm, I'm watching the church scene, y'all. I'm watching the church scene. And I'm watching and I'm looking at all of the hats and all of the traditional trappings, right, of traditional church. Please, nobody get mad at me, please, please, because I promise you I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm just telling you what I saw. And I thought back to my life in the church. I came to Christ when I was 17 years old. I joined the church when I was like 15, 16. Um, my father committed his life to the Lord. And at that point, everybody had to go to church in the house, right? He didn't even care if you were saved or not. You're just not sleeping in on Sunday when he going to church. Everybody going to church. Stay out partying all night. Don't care. Brush your teeth. Throw some water on your face. Wear what you got on. But we going to church. And it was about a year and a half or two years of living like that until I recognized my need for Jesus Christ in my life. And so I gave my life to the Lord, March the 2nd, 1979, my senior year in high school. And I always felt like there was something missing. I always felt like there was something missing. Never could put my hand on it. Never could put my finger on it. Then one day it hit me, and that was the ability to apply the word of God to my life. 
Um, I used to hear preachers talk about Peter, James, John, and, and Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, you know, hear all of these stories, hear all of these narratives, but they never made it real to me. Like I never, I literally would sit there and say to myself in the most respectful way possible, so what? Like what difference does it make to me? Come to church on Sunday, shout, watching people holler, scream, and they're as hellacious when they walk out of the door as they were when they walked in. And I'm like, there's something wrong with this. Like something should change in our lives beyond where we go on Sunday morning when we say we're Christian. Right? It should be more than just I get up on Sunday and I look churchy. I look like a Christian. And so as I was watching the movie yesterday, I was looking and I saw people who were looking Christian. They were looking Christian. And then I was thinking to myself, what's the difference between how I look and how I live? Y'all stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I, I hope you feel I'm sharing with my with, with you from my heart that God wants more from us than just how we look on Sunday. God wants more from us than how we act two hours a week on Sunday morning. God wants more than that from us. And so it's important for us to understand that this thing called church is important. Everybody say important. Here's the problem. It's not that the church is not important. It's how we define church. And I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, and some of you might think this is bold. Somebody might think it's outrageous. Somebody might think it's outlandish. Somebody may say, who in the world do you think you are, Cofield? To speak against thousands of years of tradition. I believe we have misdefined church for so long that we think wrong is right and right is wrong. Here's the first thing I want you to see when we talk about what makes the church so important. Number one, the church is important because it's God's vehicle to help people become all God wants. Church is important because it's God's vehicle to help people become all God wants. Acts 2 verse 38 and 39, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Acts chapter 2 is defined by many as the birthplace of what we call the church, the ecclesia, the called out assembly, the body of Christ that the church was given birth to. There were some preamble notes given about the church, uh, specifically in Matthew 16 when Jesus says to Peter, 
uh, on this rock I will build my church, verse 18, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church was given birth to at this time. Remember what I told you when Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 was written, there was no buildings designated the church. At best, they could gather in the courts of the synagogue. Uh, maybe if they had a sympathetic rabbi, they could meet on that Sunday. They couldn't meet on Saturday because that was the Sabbath, but they could meet on that Sunday if the building was not in use, which typically was the case with the synagogues. But when Peter speaks, Peter preaches, and it is the response of those people that gives birth to the church as we know it. Here's what's important for you to understand. The church was not a divine afterthought. This was not something that God just thought up off the cuff. It was not something that God said, you know what, let me look at this. Oh, man, these folk are, let's create the church. It was part of the intentional plan of God to create a new community to help people who need Jesus and help people who know Jesus. Help people who need Jesus come to know Jesus. And to help people who know Jesus grow in Jesus. Because Jesus was the only pathway to reconnect a sinful man and a sinful woman with a loving God. Period. Now, that is foundational to what we are doing as a church. Here's why. There are those who have been saying to me, oh, Pastor, boy, it's been so good. Oh, we love Rooted and Grounded. Pastor, can our group stay together? Can we, can we keep on meeting together? Because I love my group so much. And you know what we end up doing? We end up repeating the mistake that the early disciples made when they came to Jesus. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says 3,000 people came to the Lord. Church is given birth to. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6, scholars believe there were somewhere around 10,000 people who had come to know Jesus. And nobody wanted to go home. That's why the Hellenistic Jews... Those non-Hebrew Jews, those non-Jerusalem Jews who had come back for the feast of Passover and remained for the feast of Pentecost had come to know Jesus and didn't want to go back home. They were like Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's good to be here, Lord. We're having good church. We're enjoying each other's company. We praying for one another. We loving on one another. Lord, can we just stay here and build three tabernacles? And Jesus said, no. Y'all can't stay up on the mountain and have church. It's too much work down in the valley. Y'all excited about fellowshipping, and you're not excited about sharing your faith. We got to go back down in the valley, y'all. The Jerusalem Jews didn't want to leave. So guess what God had to do? He sent persecution. He sent persecution because here's what he said. If y'all won't obey me and go into all the world, 
Let me send persecution to make you go into all the world. Now remember, come on, Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world, make disciples. Acts 1.8, he says, go into all the world, start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Right? He says, start with the people you know. Go to the people you like. Go to the people you don't like. Go to the people you don't know. Go in all the world. But they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. And he said, no, 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 no. There's too many folk out there. Listen, God had a purpose for us when we came to know him as Savior. And it's to help somebody else know him as Savior. It's not for us just to fellowship with one another. It's not for us just to get excited about our little holy huddle. Um, I talked uh, in our last leadership meeting about Trustee Edwin Harrison. Um, if you never got a chance to meet Trustee Edwin Harrison, um, you, you missed an opportunity that you would never forget. Uh, Edwin Harrison was a unique brother. One of the things I loved, though, and respected about him, even if you disagreed with him, you were always going to know what was on his mind. I, I told Edwin one day, I said, Edwin, did, did somebody raise you thinking that your opinion really mattered to people? And he said, he said why you say that? I said, because you always give your opinion no matter how in left field it is. Like somebody literally raised you telling you your opinion mattered. And he said, well, no, nah, I never thought about it like that, Pastor. It wasn't until 45 got in the office and said some outlandish things. He said, you know, Pastor, now nah, I think I know what you were talking about when you told me that. Edwin Harrison and his wife had a life group, a small group at the time. And they had about 12 people in their small group, six couples, I think. And we had stated at the time that our small groups would be open. And we want to make sure we always keep an empty chair and we want to reach people for Jesus. And Edwin Harrison said, our group is closed. We ain't trying to reach anybody, Pastor. We, we like our group the way it is. Now, here's what's interesting. and This is what I've told our directors and I've told our leaders. At least he was honest. Because most groups pretended like they were going to. And I think we had maybe four or five groups that split out of some other groups, multiplied. But for the most part, all of the groups stayed closed. They maybe invite a visitor, but they didn't work hard to make them feel welcome, right? Here's the second thing. Number two, the church is important because God saved people to help others experience redemption. God saved people to help others experience redemption. Verse 40, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is Peter talking. You remember Peter, the fisherman, right? Cussing Peter, lying Peter, right? In, in case you think your background disqualifies you from being used by God. He said, let me use Peter to make all y'all feel comfortable, <laughs> He said, cussing, fighting, lying, Peter. That's who I'm going to use to preach the gospel to give birth to the church of Jesus Christ. 
Peter, unchurched, unsaved, didn't know Jesus, called by Jesus, leaves his nets to become a fisher of men, still falls, still stumbles, still denies on the other side of the resurrection. You remember the word that was spoken when he was converted. When his commitment leveled in Jesus lived up to his confession that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. He made a confession without a commitment. And that's why Jesus said flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. You don't have that in you yet. The Holy Ghost had to speak through you. But when his commitment level reached the level of his confession, the Bible says he preached and 3,000 came. Here's what I need you to know. The church is important because it is the church that becomes the vehicle by which people experience redemption. Now, there are a lot of parachurch organizations that are out there. Uh, the overwhelming majority of them were not started by people of dark melanin skin. And, and most of those parachurch organizations were started to, in essence, supplement the church for what the church had not been doing. So when you talk about, for example, campus ministries, college campuses, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, you know, Crusade for Christ and Navigators and, and the like, they were started because of the absence of the church. The abandonment of the church in terms of its responsibility to take the world to Jesus regardless of age. You had groups like Youth for Christ and Young Life that were given birth to. Why? Because the church did not take seriously the ministry to middle school and high school kids. Now, truth of the matter is, we as a black church didn't have the funds to do that. Those organizations, Sun Life and other groups, were started by white churches to help white kids come to know Jesus. Now, I'm telling you what Jesus loves, the truth. Now, eventually, when they ran out of white kids that they could go to share the gospel with, they said, oh, let's do something for the black children. Problem was they could not culturally connect with our community because what they didn't realize was that really nothing spiritually strong happens in the black community apart from the black church. Like, you can't walk in talking about, I'm with Sun Life. I'm going to help y'all know Jesus. Like, what church you go to? Who is your pastor? Right? Because if you don't have a church and you don't have a pastor, we ain't fooling with you. Right? My grandmama and them, they go over here to fourth missionary where you go to church. Right? And it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. To help people. The disciples were saved, but they were saved to help unsaved people come to know Jesus.
That, that's why you're saved. You're saved to help unsaved people come to know Jesus. Think about this. The disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden resulted in sin nature entering into the world. So everybody was born in sin, shaped in iniquity after that act. The diagnosis was Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prognosis was bad, y'all, because the Bible says it's death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He says, so you got a bad diagnosis and you got a worse prognosis, but he says, wait a minute, there's a cure. It's called the blood of Christ shed on Calvary. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be Save, but watch this. The vaccination didn't show up until Pentecost because it was on Pentecost that all became a reality and a sinful world was given opportunity to hear a saving message from a loving God. And if you are saved right now, anybody saved, make some noise. If you're saved, you know you're saved. You're part of a spiritual legacy that started on Pentecost when the gospel was preached and people came to know Jesus. Here's the third thing. The church is important because God saved you to connect with other believers. God saved you to connect with other believers. Look at verse 41. So those who received the word, his word, were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Everybody with me? Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Can I tell you something that happened in the church that did not happen in any other religion during that time? Every religion defined itself solely by your relationship with your deity, your relationship with God. They never included the horizontal and your relationship with one another. It was always about God. And you still have people today who are walking around talking about me and the man upstairs all right. But you can't be all right with God vertically and be foul with me horizontally. God says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's the evidence that you have a relationship with God. They fellowship with one another. That word fellowship, koinonia has to do with literally participating with one another in a beneficiary way, that, that both of us are edified, that both of us are lifted up uh, with common experiences and interests, right? That we are there building one another up. I had one pastor say to me, he said, man, pastor, he said, we got to get back in church. I said, why? He said, because... Uh, if we're not in church, we're not fellowship. And I said, come on, man, nobody fellowships on Sunday morning. We sit there on Sunday morning looking at the back of each other's heads. 
little bit of fellowship, maybe just to say hello, if you have a welcome period, a greeting period. <laughs> speak to people before church starts, speak to them after I go. But the truth of the matter is, there's more fellowship that takes place at brunch than takes place on Sunday morning. I know I'm right about it. You don't even have to say amen. We have a whole generation of young people and some older ones who will watch a service and get a word online and then go have their fellowship with their mimosa like it's their communion wine. He says, you are connected with other people. You, you're not intended to do this thing alone. I got to help. Let me help somebody today. I got to help somebody today. Brothers, you're not intended to walk this life alone. And I'm not talking about in the context of marriage. I'm talking about in your journey to manhood. As brothers, we should be helping each other in the journey of manhood. Right? Because you're a male by birth, you become a man by choice. And when a man says, can't nobody tell me nothing about being a man, they sound more like a boy than a man. Because we should learn from one another about this journey called manhood. Understanding that being a man has nothing to do with your chronological age. There are a lot of 40-year-old boys still around. Ladies, this journey of womanhood, the blessing in the body is that we can intentionally choose to edify one another in a positive way, in a godly way that you might not have gotten in your family of chance. What it means to be a woman. How do you carry yourself in a respectful way, right? How do you act? How do you dress? How do you, man, somebody got to teach you. I said somebody got to teach you. Because that stuff doesn't just happen automatically. And the tragedy is we have become one of the most judgmental places on the planet. Folk walk in and we start talking, we start gossiping we start whispering instead of loving and praying and encouraging and so he says you are connected to other believers the church is important because it's a place of connection now remember this place of connection is not at the expense of our reaching out in the community Right. Um, you can read story after story of people who wanted to set up Christian communes and Christian communities. And so they would get a bunch of people and they would live together. And we're going to embody the Christian life in this area, in this town, in this section. There were people who went west years ago to establish Christian states and Christian cities. 
But y'all, that's not what God's called us to do. We got to be salt and light. We got to be salt in a decaying world. We got to be light in dark places. God didn't call all the light to get together and just shine with each other and try to figure out who can outshine the other. And the world is in darkness and going to hell all around us. Right? It's in community that we find encouragement to go out into the world. Here's the last thing, and then I'm going to take my seat. Well, I'm already in my seat. But. <laughs> Number four, the church is important because God saved you to be the church, not to attend church. The church is important because God saved you to be the church, not to attend church. Verse 44, Acts chapter 2. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They believed together. They shared what they had with each other. They worshiped together. They broke bread together. And God moved. Listen, you don't attend church. You're not expected as a believer to attend church. You're not supposed to go to church. You're supposed to be the church. And can I tell you how poorly we've been taught over the last thousand plus years? In the pandemic, because we have been so mistaught to define our faith by coming to a building. We didn't know how to be a Christian apart from coming to a building. Everything about us being a Christian was defined by a building. This is where I usher, this is where I sing, this is where I serve, this is where I pray, this is where I give. And if I can't come to a building, I don't know what to do. And God says, no, the church was given birth to to help you know that you are the church. It's not where you attend, it's who you are called to be. So God didn't call you to have the right attitude for two hours a week. God called you to have the right attitude. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Every day of your life. Right? God didn't call you to treat your wife with respect in the church and then treat her mean at home. Now, let me stay there for a second because I... No, 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 no. God didn't call you to be a great officer and an abusive husband. Y'all, I'm talking about what I know. Because I had a father who was a pastor and was abusive. In his preaching. Allowing God to use him in his preaching and abusive when he was home. 
that's not what God called us to do. Sing praises on Sunday and cuss folk out all week long. And if we don't cuss them out, we threaten them with the fact that we still know how to. Don't make me. God says, no, church is not where you go. Church is who you are. Because you are part of that called out assembly. You are the ones who have been chosen. You have the ones who have been washed in the blood of the lamb and sealed by the spirit of God. And I call you to be. Call you to be what I've made you to be. Don't be anything less. Be all that I've created you to be. And y'all, that's what these groups are all about. That's what our life groups are all about. Helping us to be the church and not just come to church. How many times have you heard folk talk about, ooh, how was church today? Ooh, we had good church. Raggedy living, but good church. Woo, the Lord was in his holy temple. Is the Lord abiding in your temple? Right? Because you know 1 Corinthians 6 says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? The Lord lives inside of you. So are we going to define our faith by where we come and gather? Or are we going to define our faith by how we live when we leave? Let's pray. God, I thank you because in your word you tell us that we are no longer strangers and foreigners. We are citizens along with all of God's holy people. We are members of your family. And we belong to your family, not just showing up on Sundays. We belong, we belong to the body of Christ. We thank you because you have challenged us to not just pretend to love others, but to really love them, to hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what's good, to love with a genuine love, and to take delight in honoring and upbuilding one another. God, I pray now in the name of Jesus that Your word has found fertile ground in our hearts and minds. Help us, God, and remind us to be the church. To be the church. To be the church. Not just go. Not just attend. But to be the church. Every day of our lives, in every situation and circumstance, by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind all who are under the sound of my voice to be the church. And when in doubt, lean into being the church even more. We thank you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody who can, everybody who will. Yeah, give the Lord a hand of praise. Everybody who can, everybody who will. Stand on your feet wherever you are.
Stand on your feet wherever you are. If you're here today and you've never asked the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. We used to sing an old song some years ago. It said, real, real Jesus is real to me. Yes, he gives me the victory. So many people doubt him. I can't live without him. That is why I love him so. He is real to me. Then that next verse would say, in the morning, he's real. Right? Then the next verse say, on the job, he's real. Then another verse would say, in my home, he's real. Wherever I go, he needs to be real to me. The men and women who are standing up front and others who are online would love to show you how to ask the Lord into your life. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, we want to give you an opportunity to say yes. Those of you who are online, we want to invite you not only to make Jesus your choice, um, and you can scan the QR code and it can take you to a hot link. Uh, but we also want to encourage you to register and sign up for our discipleship process, Rooted and Grounded. And we would love to include you as one of our Rooted members. We have people in seven states around the country and we're looking to expand around the world to help people who need Jesus know him and to help people who know Jesus grow in him. As a song of invitation is sung, we invite you to come. Come just as you are. Great news is God loves you just like you are, but he won't leave you there. He'll make something beautiful out of your life if you let him. So come on and say yes today. We won't look at you funny. We'll rejoice when you come. Come on. Say yes. Father, as we continue our worship, we pray now that uh, what we do and say will be pleasing in your sight. Uh, we ask your blessings upon our giving. We ask your blessings upon our uh, Lord's Supper celebration. Uh, that everything that we do will edify your body and glorify you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>